0: Imagine for a minute, it's April 16th, 2007. You're in the newsroom and you hear CBS's Kelly Wallace delivered this promo.
1: At least 30 people believed to be killed on the campus of Virginia Tech University. That's in Blacksburg, Virginia, and we are deploying a team of correspondents and anchors for this story. Katie Couric, heading down there now, she will be anchoring the coverage from the campus of Blacksburg, Virginia, an overview of what happened. happened. Also, taking a look at how so many students were using the Internet to stay on the Internet to find out what was happening and to get information from the university, from parents, about what to do. So you'll definitely want
0: to... There's breaking news more than seven hours away. Journalists are en route. The situation is hazy, chaotic. How could you find a source at the scene, an eyewitness even, without leaving your newsroom? Wallace just hints it at one idea. This week's theme is Breaking News Investigations, I'm George Varney and you're listening to the IRE radio podcast, IRE with you on your beat for over 30 years. On this episode, we'll be helping you develop a plan for digging deeper when breaking news hits and turning witnesses at the scene into sources. We'll hear from Leonard Downey Jr., former executive editor of the Washington Post, when the news of the Virginia Tech shootings broke, the Post was able to get hold of an
2: eyewitness while reporters were making the 260-mile drive to Blacksburg. So a reporter contacted him through Facebook, got him on the telephone, and did the first interview that anybody had uh, with the survivor of the, of the shootings.
0: In April 2012, more than a dozen tornadoes touched down in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. The storms touched off a series of investigations as KXAS TV reporter Scott Friedman and his newly formed investigative unit looked beyond the twisters, finding government neglect in emergency situations. We discovered that
3: uh, there was a high power radar system, perhaps the fastest radar system in the world, that undergoing testing in Oklahoma and they had just moved it to our area and it was sitting in a warehouse at DFW airport because FEMA had turned down the final $150,000 that
0: was needed to deploy it. Also coming up, a free app that takes you to sources in any location at any event in the world, a clever way ProPublica got its audience to help research political spending, and a website that might help you find the perfect source for your story. That's all next on the IRE Radio Podcast. Scott Friedman is the senior investigative reporter at KXAS-TV in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. His station launched an investigative unit two years ago, and Friedman developed a three-step process for turning breaking news coverage into an ongoing and in-depth investigation. We'll quickly go over those steps, and then Friedman will describe how he put each into action. Step one, add some depth to the coverage in the first hour of the breaking news story. Step two, dig deeper in the following hours and days to get at the how and why. And step three, use information from earlier reporting to leap into a multi-part series. So what does a system look like in practice? Well, Friedman and his investigative team got to try it out just a week after the unit was formed. We had 17
3: tornadoes that touched down in a single day in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, metro area. Uh, You may remember the video. This this was the one where the semi-trailers were flying about 100 feet in the air.
0: 17 tornadoes airborne semis, serious destruction. That's the breaking news, and of course the TV station covered that. Step one in going further is to add depth, and that came from paying attention to what reporters were hearing, and what some tornado victims didn't.
3: One of the things we started hearing anecdotally from our crews in the field was that people were saying they didn't feel like they had much warning time uh, in this, this particular storm, that it was a nice day and all of a sudden they had these major storms on top of them and in some cases they didn't hear tornado sirens in the neighborhood. The official
0: timeline from the National Weather Service detailing when warnings were issued and when storms touched down wouldn't be ready for several days following the twisters. However, Friedman learned the NWS has chat service, like AOL Instant Messenger, for storm watchers and government officials. The chat recorded when warnings went out, and that data was immediately available. Using that tool, Friedman was able to quickly give his viewers a rough timeline of events the same night as the tornadoes. The link to the NWS chat sign-up is available in our show notes, The service is free but requires the user to have some involvement in weather reporting services. Acceptable fields include media and academia. Using these early numbers, Friedman could see that in some cases there was a large disparity in warning times. Armed with that knowledge, the investigative team began step two, dig deeper to get the how and why. They started making calls to anyone they could think of who might have more information on severe weather alert systems, like the National Weather Service and emergency planners in their area. From these calls, they made another discovery. We discovered that
3: uh, there was a high-power radar system, perhaps the fastest radar system in the world, that undergoing testing in Oklahoma, and they had just moved it to our area, and it was sitting in a warehouse at DFW Airport because FEMA had turned down the final $150,000 that was needed to deploy it. So it had been collecting dust for months in in a warehouse um,
0: instead of out there to protect people on the, the day that the storms hit. And the stories didn't end there. Friedman found from talking to FEMA that 15 counties in Texas didn't receive federal money to build storm shelters simply because they didn't do the paperwork to ask for
3: it. So that's another thing you can check if you have storms in in your area is um, talk to FEMA about that, about how much money has come to uh, your region to help provide those shelters in
0: homes and in, uh, in neighborhoods as well. A story on buildings in Texas not up to code for wind resistance rounded out step three leap into a multi-part series. What started as breaking coverage on multiple tornadoes carried on for weeks as Friedman and the team looked into the agencies and regulators behind storm safety. In addition to the three-step process, Friedman recommends a simple question to ask yourself in a challenging situation.
3: Your, your boss comes to you and says, um, "You know, we want you to jump in on breaking news. You're already working on that long-term project. Um, your first response may be, uh, WTF, ours is uh, WKS, uh, who, who knows stuff, has kind of become our, our catchphrase within in the group. Um, we ask, uh, who made the key decisions? Who led the response? Who handled the crisis?
0: Sometimes there isn't an official with a phone number and a title matching exactly what you need, though. There are times when the question, who knows stuff, can be solved by asking your audience. There are a lot of digital tools to help you find sources you don't know how to contact or don't even know exist. Leonard Downey Jr. is the former executive editor at the Washington Post. Downey remembers the Post's coverage of the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007. It took Washington Post reporters four hours to drive to the campus. Meanwhile the newsroom was stuck waiting by the phones for updates.
2: One of our reporters then found a, um, went to Facebook. I barely knew what Facebook was in 2007, but he was Actively on Facebook, being a young person, uh, and he found a student who, had, who announced to the world on Facebook that he was in one of the classrooms when the shootings took place and survived only by playing dead. Uh, and the reporter and, and he gave his, and so the reporter contacted him through Facebook, got him on the telephone, and did the first interview that anybody had uh, with the survivor of the of the shootings.
0: Reaching out to people on social media was one of the post's first steps into internet facilitated audience engagement. Next, they went through a citizen journalism phase, asking readers to send in videos and photos of newsworthy events. Downey said other newsrooms began trying similar approaches, like CNN's iReport and the BBC News's Have Your Say. Asking readers to volunteer their stories and photos is a simple technique to gather sources that you aren't able to target. Downey warns, however, that using volunteered information isn't as straightforward as just asking for it.
2: But you've got to be very careful for the authenticity of it, uh, and so it's again not an easily managed way of engaging the community.
0: The latest phase of connecting to previously unknown sources through the
2: internet is crowdsourcing. You can engage, create a community of people that either have a certain expertise or a certain interest in the subject you're working on and begin to mine them for useful information.
0: There are many tools that allow journalists to target a specific crowd, depending on budget and scale. First is Banjo, a free app for both iPhone and Android. I talked to Banjo's director of media relations, Jennifer Peck, who explains that Banjo is like Google, but for events. Banjo organizes social media posts by time, location, and context. It also polls for multiple social networks, including those journalists may not be monitoring on a regular basis.
1: When an event happens, like when the Malaysian airliner got shot out of the sky over Ukraine... You could go to Banjo and see all the content that was being shared on the ground. What was interesting about that particular event, the content, the, the initial content coming from the ground was really coming from VK, the Russian social network, which most people don't have access to. But because we sit on multiple social networks from around the globe, we can take you to the ground, to the scene, to get the photos the videos the context coming from a particular place.
0: In addition to displaying trending news events, Banjo allows users to search for a specific area and see what people there have been posting to social media. When Peck heard about the crash landing of an Asiana Airlines plane in San Francisco in July of 2013, she called an NBC Bay Area reporter and suggested he use Banjo to get pictures and information from people on the plane and in the airport. It turned out he was already using it.
1: NBC had reached out to people on the ground from that crash and they were able to get people on the phone, photos, get all that content and they were reporting almost immediately from the crash site through using part of our technology.
0: More of my conversation with Peck, which includes more examples of Banjo in action, can be found online at IRE.org. During her time at ProPublica, community editor Blair Hickman and her team came up with a crowd-based solution to a seemingly daunting data problem. They wanted to know who was spending money on political ads in swing states during the 2012 U.S. presidential election. They also wanted to find out how many dollars were at play. They had the necessary source documents, but these documents were unsearchable PDF files, and there were 42,000 of them.
2: We built a crowd-powered app, basically, and this was an interesting... Example, so we do a lot of news applications at ProPublica, but normally that's taking a large data set that already exists and turning it into a story. In this case, we basically were asking the crowd to help us dig through this data and kind of create the app in real time. Um, So basically what we did is we uploaded all these PDFs into one space um, and said, come through here and help us find four pieces of information.
0: This could work because Hickman knew the specific data ProPublica wanted across all of the documents. They asked readers to search for the name of the person buying the ad, the contract number, the amount they paid, and what advertising agency placed the order. You can play through the website or through the app, and I say play because the app was gamified to make scrolling through advertising invoices more appealing and, dare we say, fun?
2: We had a leaderboard, and after you free a file, you have an example, like a, a chance to share it with all of your social networks and say, "I participated in this um, section. Like this project helped too."
0: According to the leaderboard, six people have more than 2,000 points each, and the leading contributor has a score of more than 32,000. Co-founder and executive editor of the Arizona Center for Investigative Reporting, Brandon Quester, needed a way to reflect the middle ground in a story about gun rights. It's fairly simple to find people on extreme ends of the issue. They have advocacy groups and spend money on advertising. They attend public hearings and they put themselves inside of the media. To find a moderate view, Quester used an online resource called the Public Insight Network or PIN. PIN is a database of self-reported individuals who fill out some basic information on themselves. Journalists with a subscription to PIN are able to ask questions to this verified audience to help find sources with specific experiences. Through the
3: PIN queries we found a state university professor um, who witnessed a shooting on a campus as a college student and now has opinions on guns in campus and in fact carries himself. So that's just another example of finding a source that otherwise how in the world would we have found that guy unless we went through a teacher roster list at an individual university to identify them. But this guy was part of the PIN network, we sent out the query, he answered the questions, and then our reporters were able to read through the list of queries, filtered by Topic, or Guns, or Utah, and then identified that source, and then they reached out to him and said, hey, we're in Utah, can we come and meet you and talk with you? And they did. And now that's another source in one of our stories for the project.
0: PIN is useful, but it comes with an annual fee and the need for someone in the newsroom to undergo special training, making it an unrealistic option for smaller operations. Some websites, such as LinkedIn, offer similar search capabilities for little to no cost. Links to those tools, as well as tip sheets on how to use them, are included in our episode notes at ire.org. Thank you for listening. You can find past episodes on both our SoundCloud page and on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, IRE, or anything else, our inbox is always open. IRE web editor Sarah Hutchins edits the podcast, and she can be reached at web at ire.org, or you can reach me at georgev, that's G-E-O-R-G-E-V, at ire.org. That's it for this episode. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm George Varney.